0: part two of book nine of laws by plato translated by benjamin joet this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by geoffrey edwards part two of book nine athenian stranger enough has been said of murders violent and involuntary and committed in passion we have now to speak of voluntary crimes done with every sort of injustice and premeditation through the influence of pleasures and desires and jealousies cleinias very good athenian stranger let us first speak as far as we are able of the number in nature of these causes of them the greatest is lust which gets the mastery of the soul maddened by desire and this is most commonly found to exist where the passion reigns which is strongest and most prevalent among the mass of mankind i mean where the power of wealth breeds endless desires of never to be satisfied acquisition originating in natural disposition and a miserable want of education of this want of education the false admiration of wealth which is brooded about among hellenes and barbarians is the cause they deem that to be the first of goods which in reality is only the third and in this way they wrong both posterity and themselves for Nothing can be nobler and better than that the truth about wealth should be spoken in all states, namely, that riches are for the sake of the body, as the body is for the sake of the soul. They are good, and wealth is intended by nature to be for the sake of them, and is therefore inferior to them both, and third in order of excellence this argument would seem to show that he who would be happy ought not to seek to be rich or rather he should seek to be rich justly and temperately and then there would be no murders in states which require to be purged away by other murders but now as i said at first avarice is the chiefest cause and source of voluntary homicide and hence the worst trials arise a second cause is the habit of ambition this creates jealousies which are troublesome companions above all to the jealous man himself and in a less degree to the chiefs of the state and a third cause is cowardly and unjust fear this has been the occasion of many murders when a man is doing or has done something which he desires that no one should know him to be doing or to have done he will take the life of those who are likely to inform of such things if he have no other means of getting rid of them let this be said as a prelude concerning all these matters and i must not omit to mention a tradition which is believed by many and has been received from those who are learned in the mysteries they say that such crimes will be punished in the world below and that when the perpetrators return to this world they will suffer what they did by a compensation of nature and end their lives in like manner by the hand of another if he who is about to commit a crime believes this and is induced by the prelude to fear such a penalty there is no need to proceed with the proclamation of the law but if he be unbelieving let the following law be declared and registered against him whoever shall wrongfully and of design slay with his own hand any of his kinsmen shall in the first place be deprived of legal privileges he shall not pollute the temples or the agora or the harbours or any other place of meeting whether he is forbidden of men or not for the law which represents the whole state forbids him and always is and will be in the attitude of forbidding him and he who being of the kindred of the deceased whether on the male or female side does not prosecute the homicide when he ought and proclaim him an outlaw shall in the first place be involved in the pollution and incur the hatred of the gods even as the curse of the law stirs up the voices of men against him and in the second place he shall be in the power of any one who is willing to inflict retribution on behalf of the dead and he who wishes to punish him shall observe all the precautionary ceremonies of levation and any others which the gods command in cases of this kind let him make proclamation and then go forth and compel the perpetrator to suffer the execution of justice according to the law now the legislator may easily show that these things must be accompanied with prayers and sacrifices to certain gods who are concerned with the prevention of murders in states but who these gods are and what should be the true manner of bringing such trials before the god the guardians of the law aided by the interpreters and the prophets and the god shall determine and when they have determined let them carry on the prosecution at law the cause shall have the same judges who were appointed to decide finally in the case of those who plunder temples let him who is convicted be punished with death and let him not be buried in the country of the murdered man for this would be shameless as well as impious but if he fly and will not stand his trial let him fly for ever or if he set foot anywhere on any part of the murdered man's country let any relation of the deceased or any other citizen who may first happen to meet with him kill him with impunity or bind and deliver him to the archons who determine suits that they may put him to death And let the prosecutor demand surety of him whom he prosecutes. Three sureties, sufficient in the opinion of the magistrates, who try the cause, shall be provided by him, and they shall promise to produce him at the trial. But if he is unwilling or unable to appoint sureties, then the magistrates shall take him, and keep him in bonds, and produce him at the day of trial. If a man do not commit the murder with his own hand, but has contrived the death of another, and is the author of the deed in intention and design, having his soul not pure of the guilt of murder, and he is dwelling in the city, let him be tried in the same way, except in what relates to the sureties. And also, if he be found guilty, he shall have burial in his native land but in all other respects this case shall be as the former and whether a stranger shall kill a citizen or a citizen a stranger or a slave a slave there shall be no difference as touching the mere intention and the actual performance except in the matter of sureties and these as has been said shall be required of the actual murderer only and he who proclaims the crime shall bind them over at the time if a slave slay a free man voluntarily either with his own hand or in intention and he be convicted let the public executioner take him either to the sepulchre or to a place at which he can see the sepulchre of the dead and inflict upon him as many stripes as the person who took him orders and if he survives let him put him to death. And if anyone kills a slave who has done no wrong, because he is afraid that he may inform of some base and evil deeds of his own, or for some similar reason, in such a case let him pay the penalty of murder, as he would have done if he had slain a citizen. There are things about which it is terrible and unpleasant to legislate, but impossible not to legislate if for example there should be murders of kinsmen either perpetrated by the hands of kinsmen or by their contrivance and out of malice prepense which may often happen in ill-regulated states and perhaps even in a country where a man would not expect to find them we must repeat once more the tale which we narrated a little while ago in the hope that he who hears us will be the more disposed to abstain voluntarily on these grounds from murders which are utterly abominable for the tale or tradition whether under this or some other name has been plainly set forth by priests of old they have pronounced that the justice which inspects and avenges the blood of kindred follows the law of retaliation and ordains that he who has done any murderous act should of necessity suffer that which he has done he who has slain a father shall himself be slain at some time or other by his children and if he have slain his mother he shall of necessity take a woman's nature and lose his life at the hands of his offspring in after ages for where a family is polluted with blood, there is no other purification. Nor can the pollution be washed out until the homicidal soul which did the deed has given life for life, and has propitiated, and laid to sleep, the wrath of the whole family. These are the retributions of heaven, and by such punishments men should be deterred. But if they are not deterred, and any one should be incited by some fatal misery to deprive his father or mother or brethren or children of life voluntarily and of purpose for him the earthly lawgiver legislates as follows there shall be the same proclamations about outlawry and there shall be the same sureties which have been enacted in the former cases but in his case if he be convicted the servants of the judges and the magistrates shall slay him at an appointed place where three ways meet and cast him naked out of the city and all the magistrates on behalf of the whole city shall carry stones and each of them shall cast a stone upon the head of the dead man and deliver the city from pollution and after that they shall bear him to the borders of the land and throw him out unburied according to law and what shall he suffer who slays him who of all men is said to be nearest and dearest to him i mean the suicide who deprives himself by violence of his appointed share of life not because the law of the state compels him nor yet under the compulsion of some painful and inevitable fortune which has come upon him nor because he has had to suffer from irremediable and intolerable shame but who from indolence or cowardice imposes upon himself an unjust penalty for him what ceremonies there are to be of purification and burial god knows and about these the next of kin should inquire of the interpreters and of the laws and do according to their injunctions those who meet their death in this way shall be buried alone and none shall be laid by their side they shall be buried ingloriously in the borders of the twelve portions of the land in such places as are uncultivated and nameless and no column or name shall mark the place of their interment and if a beast of burden or other animal cause the death of any one except in the case of anything of that kind happening in the public contests the kinsmen of the deceased shall prosecute the slayer for murder and the wardens of the country such and so many as the kinsmen appoint shall try the cause and let the beast when condemned be slain by them and cast beyond the borders. And if any lifeless thing deprive a man of life, except in the case of a thunderbolt, or other fatal dart sent from the gods, whether a man is killed by lifeless objects falling upon him, or his falling upon them, the nearest of kin shall appoint the nearest neighbor to be a judge, and thereby acquit himself and the whole family of guilt. And he shall cast forth the guilty thing beyond the border as has been said about the animals if a man is found dead and his murderer be unknown and after a diligent search cannot be detected there shall be the same proclamation as in the previous cases and the same interdict on the murderer and they shall proceed against him and announce in the agora that he who has slain such and such a person and has been convicted of murder shall not set his foot in the temples nor at all in the country of the murdered man and if he appears and is discovered he shall die and be cast forth unburied beyond the border let us enact this which shall be one of our laws about murder enough of murder and now let the cases in and for which the murderer may be rightly deemed pure be recited if a man catch a thief coming into his house by night to steal and he take him and kill him or if he slay a footpad in self-defence he shall be guiltless and any one who does violence to a free woman or a youth shall be slain with impunity by the injured person or by his or her father, or brothers or sons. If a man find his wife suffering violence, he may kill the violator, and be guiltless in the eye of the law. Or if a person, in warding off death from his father, who is doing no wrong, or from his mother or children, or brethren or wife, kill another, he shall assuredly be guiltless. Thus much, as to the nurture and education of the living soul of man with which he can live and without which if he unfortunately be without them he cannot live and also concerning the punishments which are to be inflicted for violent deaths let thus much be enacted of the nurture and education of the body we have spoken before and now we have to speak of deeds of violence voluntary and involuntary which men do to one another these we will distinguish according to their nature and number and determine what will be the suitable penalties of each this appears to be their proper place in the series of our enactments the poorest legislator will have no difficulty in determining that wounds and mutilations arising out of wounds should follow next in order after deaths let wounds be divided as homicides were divided into those which are involuntary and which are given in passion or from fear and those which are voluntary and premeditated acts concerning all this we must make some such proclamation as the following mankind must have laws and conform to them or their life would be as bad as that of the most savage beast and the reason of this is that no man's nature is able to know what is best for the social state of man or knowing always able to do what is best in the first place there is a difficulty in apprehending that the true art of politics is concerned not with private but with public good for public good binds together states but private only distracts them nor do men always see that the gain is greater both to the individual and the state when the state and not the individual is first considered in the second place even if a person know as a matter of science that this is the truth but is possessed of absolute and irresponsible power he will never be able to abide in this principle or to persist in regarding the public good as primary in the state and the private good as secondary human nature will be always drawing him into avarice and selfishness avoiding pain and pursuing pleasure without any reason and will bring these to the front observing the juster and better and so working darkness in his soul will at last fill with evils both him and the whole city for if in the order of nature and by divine destiny a man were able to apprehend the truth about these things he would have no need of laws to rule over him for there is no law or order which is above knowledge, nor can mind, without impiety, be deemed the subject or slave of any man, but rather the lord of all. I speak of mind, true and free, and in harmony with nature. But then there is no such mind anywhere, or at least not much, and therefore we must choose the second best, which is law and order. Yet These look at things as they exist for the most part only, and are unable to survey the whole of them. I have told you my reason for saying this. And now we will determine what penalty he ought to pay or suffer who has hurt or wounded another. Anyone may easily imagine the questions which ought to be asked. What did he wound, or whom, or how, or when? for there are innumerable particulars of this sort which greatly vary from one another and to allow courts of law to determine all these things or not to determine any of them is alike impossible there is one particular which they must determine in all cases the question of fact and then again That the legislator should not permit them to determine what punishment is to be inflicted in any of these cases, but should himself decide about all of them, small or great, is next to impossible. Clanius. Then what is to be the inference? Athenian Stranger. The inference is that some things should be left to courts of law, and the others the legislator must decide for himself and what ought the legislator to decide and what ought he to leave to the courts of law to decide athenian stranger i may reply that in a state in which the courts are bad and mute and decide causes secretly and clandestinely or what is worse when they are disorderly and noisy as in a theatre clapping or hooting in turn this or that orator i say that where this is the case there arises a very serious evil which affects the whole state unfortunate is the necessity of having to legislate for such courts but where the necessity exists the legislator should only allow them to ordain the penalties for the smallest offences if the state for which he is legislating be of this character he must take most matters into his own hands and speak distinctly but when a state has good courts and the judges are well trained and scrupulously tested the determination of the penalties or punishments which shall be inflicted on the guilty may fairly and with advantage be left to them and we are not to be blamed for not legislating concerning all that large class of matters which judges far worse educated than they are in our state, would be able to determine, assigning to each offence the due proportion of wrong done and suffered. They are skilful judges for whom we are legislating, and therefore to them the greater part may be left. At the same time, as I have often said, we should exhibit to the judges, as we have done, the outline and form of the punishments to be inflicted and then they will not transgress the just rule. That was an excellent practice which we observed before, and now that we are resuming the work of legislation may with advantage be repeated by us. Let the enactment about wounding be in the following terms. If any one has a purpose and intention to slay another who is not his enemy, and whom the law does not permit him to slay, and he wounds him but is unable to kill him he who had the intent and has wounded him is not to be pitied as a murderer he is to be regarded and indicted for the crime of murder and nothing else still having respect to the fortune which has in a manner favoured him and to the providence who in pity to him and to the wounded man saved the one from a fatal blow and the other from an accursed fate and calamity as a thank-offering to this deity and in order not to oppose his will in such a case the law will remit the punishment of death and only compel the offender to emigrate to a neighbouring city during his life where he shall remain in the enjoyment of all his possessions but if he have injured the wounded man he shall make such compensation for the injury as the court deciding the cause shall assess and the same judges shall decide who would have decided if the man had died of his wounds and if a child intentionally wound his parents or a servant his master death shall be the penalty and if a brother or a sister intentionally wound a brother or a sister and is found guilty death shall be the penalty and if a husband wound a wife or a wife a husband with intent to kill let him or her undergo perpetual exile if they have sons or daughters who are still young the guardians shall take care of their property and have charge of the children as orphans if their sons are grown up they shall be under no obligation to support the exiled parent but they shall possess the property themselves and if he who meets with such a misfortune has no children his kindred to the degree of sons of cousins of the exiled man both on the male and female side shall meet together and after consulting with the guardians and the priests shall appoint a five thousand fortieth citizen to be the heir of the house considering and reasoning that no house of the five thousand forty belongs to the inhabitant or to the whole family in the same sense as it is the public and private property of the state now the state should seek to have its houses as holy and happy as possible and if any one of the houses be unfortunate and stained with impiety and the heir leave no posterity and dies unmarried or married and childless having suffered death as the penalty of murder or some other crime committed against the gods or against his fellow-citizens of which death is the penalty distinctly laid down in the law or if any of the citizens be in perpetual exile and also childless that house shall first of all be purified and undergo expiation according to law and then let the kinsmen of the house as we were just now saying and the guardians of the law meet and consider what family there is in the state which is of the highest repute for virtue and also for good fortune in which there are a number of sons and let them adopt one of them and introduce him to the father and forefathers of the dead man and call him their son for the sake of the omen that he may be the continuer of their family the keeper of their hearth and the minister of their property and sacred rights with better fortune than his father had and when they have made this supplication they shall make him heir according to law and the offending person they shall leave nameless and childless and portionless when calamities such as these overtake him now there is not in all things a limit which touches limit many things have a common boundary which is betwixt and between them and we were saying that what is done from passion is of this nature and is in a mean between the voluntary and involuntary if a person be convicted of having inflicted wounds in a passion in the first place he shall pay twice the amount of the injury if the wound be curable or if incurable four times the amount of the injury or if the wound be curable and at the same time cause great and notable disgrace to the wounded person he shall pay fourfold and in case any one in wounding another injures not only the sufferer but also the city and makes him incapable of defending his country against the enemy he besides the other penalties shall pay a penalty for the loss which the state has incurred and the penalty shall be that in addition to his own times of service he shall serve on behalf of the disabled person and shall take his place in war or if he refuse he shall be liable to be convicted by law of deserting his duty the amount of the injury whether to be paid twofold or threefold or fourfold shall be fixed by the judges who convict him and if in like manner a brother wounds a brother the parents and kindred of either sex including the children of cousins whether on the male or female side shall meet and when they have judged the cause they shall entrust the assessment of damages to the parents who are the natural persons to determine and if the estimate be disputed then the arbitrators on the male side shall make the estimate or if they cannot they shall commit the matter to the guardians of the law and when similar charges of wounding are brought by children against their parents those who are more than sixty years of age having children of their own and not adopted shall be required to decide and if any one is convicted they shall determine whether he ought to die or suffer some other punishment either greater than this or at any rate not much less none of the kinsmen of the offender shall be allowed to judge the cause not even if he be of the age permitted by the law if a slave in a fit of anger wound a free man the owner of the slave shall give him up to the wounded man who may do as he pleases with him and if he do not give him up he shall make good the injury and if any one says that the slave and the wounded man are conspiring together let him argue the point and if he is cast he shall pay the injury three times over but if he convict the other two the free man who conspired with the slave shall be liable to be made a slave and if any one unintentionally wounds another he shall simply pay for the harm for no legislator is able to control chance in his case the judges shall be the same as those who are appointed in the case of children and their parents and they shall estimate the amount of the injury all the preceding injuries and every kind of assault are deeds of violence and every man woman or child ought to consider that the elder has the precedence of the younger in honour both among the gods and also among men who would live happily wherefore it is a foul thing and hateful to the gods, to see an elder man assaulted by a younger in the city. And it is reasonable that a young man, when struck by an elder, should lightly endure his anger, laying up in store for himself a like honour when he is old. Let this be the law. Everyone shall reverence his elder in word and deed. He shall respect anyone who is twenty years older than himself, whether male or female, regarding him or her as his father or mother and he shall abstain from laying hands on any one who is of an age to have been his father or his mother as a tribute to the gods who preside over birth and in like manner he shall abstain from a stranger whether he be an old inhabitant or newly arrived he shall not venture to correct such a one by blows either as the aggressor or in self-defence if he thinks that some stranger has struck him out of wantonness or insolence and ought to be punished he shall take him to the wardens of the city but let him not strike him that he may be kept far away from the possibility of lifting up his hand against a citizen and let the wardens of the city take the offender and examine him not forgetting their duty to the god of strangers and In case the stranger appear to have struck the citizen unjustly let them inflict upon him as many blows as he has himself inflicted and quell his insolence but if he have done no wrong then they shall threaten and rebuke the accuser and let them both go if a person strike another of the same age or somewhat older than himself who has no children whether he be an old man who strikes an old man or a young man who strikes a young man let him defend himself in the natural way without a weapon and with his hands only he who being more than forty years of age dares to fight with another whether he be the aggressor or in self-defence shall be regarded as rude and ill-mannered and slavish this will be a disgraceful punishment and therefore suitable to him The obedient nature will readily yield to such exhortations but the disobedient who heeds not the prelude shall have the law ready for him if any man smites another who is older than himself either by twenty or by more years in the first place he who meets him not being younger than the combatants or their equal in age shall separate them or be disgraced according to law but if he be the equal in age of the person who is struck or younger he shall defend the person injured as he would a brother or father or still older relative further let him who dares to smite an elder be tried for assault as i have said and if he be found guilty let him be imprisoned for a period of not less than a year or for a longer period at the pleasure of the judges but. If a stranger or a metic smite one who is older by twenty years or more, the same law shall hold about the bystanders assisting, and he who is found guilty in such a suit, if he be a stranger and not a sojourner, shall be imprisoned during a period of two years. And let him who is a metic and disobeys the laws be imprisoned for three years unless the court assign him a longer time of punishment and let him who is present in any of these cases and did not assist according to law be punished if he be of the highest class by paying a fine of a mina or if he be of the second class of fifty drachmas or if of the third class by a fine of thirty drachmas or if he be of the fourth class by a fine of twenty drachmas, and the generals and taxiarchs and phylarchs and hipparchs shall form the court in such cases. Laws are partly framed for the sake of good men, in order to instruct them how they may live on friendly terms with one another, and partly for the sake of those who refuse to be instructed, whose spirit cannot be subdued, or softened, or hindered from going to all evil these are the persons who cause the word to be spoken which i am about to utter for them the legislator legislates of necessity and in the hope that there may be no need of his laws he who shall dare to lay violent hands upon his father or mother or any still older relative having no fear either of the wrath of the gods above or of the punishments that are spoken of in the world below but transgresses in contempt of ancient and universal tradition as though he knew what he does not know requires some extreme measure of prevention now death is not the worst that can happen to men far worse are the punishments which are said to pursue them in the world below but although they are most true tales they work on such souls no prevention for if they had any effect there would be no slayers of mothers or impious hands lifted up against parents and therefore the punishments of this world which are inflicted during life ought not in such cases to fall short if possible of the terrors of the world below let our enactment then be as follows if a man dare to strike his father or his mother or their fathers or mothers he being at the time of sound mind, in the first place, any chance person, as has been already said, shall be required to come to the rescue, and the metic or stranger who comes to the rescue shall be called to the first place in the games, and if he do not come to the rescue, he shall suffer the punishment of perpetual exile. He who is not a metic, if he comes to the rescue, shall have praise and if he do not come blame and if a slave come to the rescue let him be made free but if he do not come to the rescue let him receive one hundred strokes of the whip by order of the wardens of the agora if the occurrence takes place in the agora or if in any place in the city the wardens of the city who are present shall punish him or if in the country then the chief officers of the wardens of the country and if the person present be a native of the land whether he be a youth or man or woman let him come to the rescue and call upon the impious offender by name and he who does not come to the rescue shall fall under the curse of zeus the god of kindred and of ancestry according to law and if any one is found guilty of assaulting a parent let him in the first place Be for ever banished from the city into the country, and let him abstain from all sacred rites. And if he do not abstain, the wardens of the country shall punish him with blows, or in any way which they please. And if he return, he shall be put to death. And if any free man eat or drink, or have any other sort of intercourse with him, or only meeting him has voluntarily touched him, He shall not enter into any temple, nor into the agora, nor into the city, until he be purified, for he should consider that he has become a partaker of a fatal crime. And if he disobey the law, and pollute the city and the temples contrary to law, the magistrate who sees him and does not indict him, when he gives an account of his magistracy, shall be liable to the heaviest charges in this particular if a slave strike a free man whether a stranger or a citizen let any one who is present come to the rescue or pay the penalty already mentioned and let those who are standing by in company with the wounded man bind him and deliver him up to the injured person and he receiving him shall bind him in chains and inflict on him as many stripes as he pleases but having punished him, he must surrender him to his master according to law, and not deprive him of his property. Let the law be as follows. The slave who strikes a free man, not at the command of the magistrates, his owner, shall receive bound from the man whom he has stricken, and not release him until the slave has persuaded the man whom he has stricken that he ought to be released and live, and Let there be the same laws about women in relation to women, and about men and women in relation to one another. End of Book Nine. Recording in Memory of Mitchell Edwards.